Tonight is March 15th, 2017. The title of tonight's sermon is Walk the Walk. Walk the Walk. If you'll turn with me to 2 John. 2 John. There's only one chapter. So let's just turn to 2 John. And we're going to start in verse 4. Now nobody should have an excuse. We've got a large group here tonight who is, you know fighting through jet lag and trying to figure out what time of day it is right now. God, and they're the ones with bright eyes in here. So uh, all the rest of us, just because it's Wednesday afternoon or Wednesday evening, uh, we're going to engage with the Word of God. I believe that the Word uh, that the Lord has given us the right Word for tonight. And uh, He's going to encourage us with the right Word. Amen. In 2 John chapter, uh, in chapter 1 and verse 4, it says this. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth. Everybody say, walking in the truth. truth. Now this is John speaking. He's writing it. He speaks off. He begins the the chapter saying, the elder. It's a little bit of a veiled kind of language. Hey, the elder. He's talking about himself to the chosen lady and her children. Well, who's he talking to? He's talking to a church. He's saying, hey, to the chosen lady and her children. It's good to see. It's a great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth. Amen. Just as the Father commanded us, and now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love. I want to know what love is. Good, because we're going to tell you what love is. That we walk in obedience to His commands. What a great, we understand that. You've been here at this church. We say this all the time. I want to encourage you because I find some children in this house, they are walking in the ways of truth. And it is something that gives me great joy. And I want to encourage you. I know by the Spirit of God that there's folks here who aren't walking as they should tonight. So when I see this, I say, we're not writing a new command. I'm not going to give you much new tonight. This church has got so much great teaching. I don't know that I'm I'm going to say a verse that you guys haven't read. Most of you read the Bible through many times and maybe you've done it. Already this year, you've read through the Bible. You've heard so many sermons. We have over 1,040 sermons on our website that you can can access. Topics, scriptures that cover the, the span the entire Bible many times over. There are some of you crazy people in here who've listened to every sermon uh, at least up to the mid-2010s, I believe, from the beginning. From 2003, when the first sermon started getting collected, all the way up to 2009, 2010, there's some of you, you guys are crazy. You've listened to them all. You're, you're working on all of them. So I don't think that I'm going to give you a new command tonight, but one that you've had from the beginning. Do you realize that the season that we've been in, the last few weeks, the last few months, the sermons that we've had, now we're not a church who does, um, who does sermon series, right? We don't start out and be like, relationships because it's February and we know Easter's coming so we're going to do the evangelistic series and then after Easter we're going to do the baby beginner classes because we're we're not going to do that what we do is we actually pray Uh, we actually interact with what the word is saying and we share with you what's going on in our lives we share with you exactly what the Lord is speaking to us trusting that what goes on in our lives whoever gets up here on the stage is going to be what you need and if you think through some of the last sermons about reach 
and no more excuses and anchor for the soul and wasted libations and Moses and missions and the devil and the deep blue sea and whatever else, the many that I'm skipping, you understand that the Lord is giving us in the right direction. He's saying, you know, it matters to the Lord that every one of us in the room walk the way that we should. That every one of us, that this is not going to be built on a few that are exceptional, but on all of us doing exactly what we're supposed to do. I believe that God has a word for our church. I believe that he's got a glory that we are supposed to walk in. And it matters that each one of us are doing it. There's no way that just a few of us can accomplish it. It's not possible. That's not the way the body of Christ works. Let's just give it to the superstars. Well, good, we can all be spectators and sit back. No, no, this cannot be. This is, that, that would be a new command. What I'm giving you is an older command today. That we love one another. Aww. Everybody turn to your neighbor and just say, aw. Aw. Just, I love you. Man. Felt all warm and squishy because all our friends are back from Turkey and Romania and just squishy. Don't pick on me because I'm squishy. I'm just saying. Right? But this is what love is. And this, and this is love. That we walk in obedience to His commands. How do you show the Lord that you actually love Him? By saying it a bunch. No. Praise God that you say it, but it better be found in your walk and not just in your talk. It's got to be found there. And as a matter of fact, uh, unless you have it in your walk, then your talk doesn't mean much. And I'll be honest with you, your, your talk doesn't mean much around here. We love you. We want to encourage you. I'm not really interested in your talk. Because if your walk is right, then the talk will catch up. Well, we're going to get this in the right order. We're going to put this in the right kind of way. The word in the Hebrew for walk is halak, H-A-L-A-K. The Hebrew is 1980. That was a good year. 1980, right? Halak. But what that word often, the way that you'll hear it most when you're setting things out is that you have a halakha, that you're going to walk this thing out. In other words, God gives you instructions, and then what do you have? I want you to go and do this. And then what do we do? That's awesome. I'm going to do that. Uh, how do I do that again? I want you to go and lead this. I want you to go and become a pastor. I want you to go and plant a church. I want you to become a pillar in the house of God. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. Now, how do I do that? The how do I do that part is what we're talking about. You have to walk this thing out. You have to have enough days of obedience going in the right direction that you start seeing some progress, that you start putting some miles behind you, and you go, oh, I'm not sure that I know all the details yet, but I know that I'm walking in the right way. I know that I'm beginning to walk this out. When you get your budget in order, that may not seem like a big deal. For some of you, it's monumental because you let your finances rule you instead of the Lord. So the Lord's speaking to you about finances and you think he's talking to you about finances, but he's talking to you about who's controlling your life. When you get your job in order where you're not having to look for a job every five and a half minutes, that, that was a bit, of, a, bit of, a bit of hyperbole, I guess. For some, not so much, right? Stupid bosses. Yeah, everywhere you go, stupid bosses. Got it. I'm sure it's every boss, right? It's all that. Or it could be you that the Lord is trying to work things out in. How about you have some difficult days in a row? Just some difficult days. You ever had just those? Yeah. You ever trying to do simple things and it's just ridiculous? Yeah. I tried to get online last night to do something for my family. And what should have took, taken me 15 minutes took me three hours and 47 minutes. 
You know what I figured out while I was doing that at about uh, hour two? I was like, if I have to sit here all night long, this is getting done right now. You know why? Because we're just not going to get in the habit of quitting. As a matter of fact, the more I want to quit, the more I'm just going to determine that I'm going to stay there and finish it. I was... (laughs) True hand of God, this is true. I was laying my hands on my laptop, speaking in tongues... Asking Jesus just to help. Lord God, please let this work. Try number 47. Lord Jesus, help me. Right? Perhaps it's not about so much that he's going to help me as that he's trying to develop some perseverance. Perhaps that he's trying to teach us that no matter what the adversity, we continue to walk forward in what he's got for us. You know, it says in Amos 3.3, how can two walk together unless they have agreement? Come on, angel. Man, got all excited about that one. She knew that one. It wasn't even in red letters, and she knew that one. Come on. <laughs> do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? The point is, is we've got to have an agreement with us. We've got to have enough love that we're going to do exactly what the Lord tells us to that puts us in agreement, and we can walk the way that he walks. We can go in the direction that he has for us. Let's look at a few uh, scriptures here tonight. Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 21. We got some youth that are there. That's good. Amen. Genesis 5 and verse 21. Are y'all with me? Good. Good. Verse 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. How'd you like to be 65 and have a kid? what happened to Enoch. What? And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. Now, I'm not quite sure if that means that he walked with the Lord before or if there was something special about his walk after he had Methuselah. But what the scripture says, after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. How would you like to be the other sons and daughters? You know, look, we're not even going to name them. He just had bunches of kids, right? Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. The 65 years up until Methuselah, and then the 300 after that. Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more. He had figured out how to walk so closely to the Lord that literally, let's keep your place here and turn to Hebrews chapter 11 really quickly. Hebrews chapter 11. I want to go through some, uh, a, a good amount of scripture tonight, so if you can turn quickly with me, if you can be ready to turn. Hebrews chapter 11, let's look at verse 5. So not only in Genesis does it talk about Enoch, but it also says this in Hebrews 11, 5. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life. How was he taken? By faith. By faith. I thought it said that he was walking with God. Yes, yes it did. Because it takes faith to walk with the Lord. We have to get in agreement with Him. We have to show Him our love. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. Wow. That's kind of cool. He skipped the whole death process. He could not be found. He just kind of vanished. 
because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased the Lord. The idea is that when you walk with the Lord, you are pleasing him. Look at verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. We know this verse quite well, don't we? You realize the context was the story of Enoch? Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. (laughs) That's a good start. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him or who earnestly pursue him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you know what that means? Every time you do not operate in faith, every time you chicken out, every time you just decide to do it your own way instead of requiring the Lord to speak to you, you know what happens? You cannot please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you know the only way that we can walk with Him is walking by faith. Is walking and going, God, what is it that you're requiring of me? Because I have a tendency to be far too reliant upon myself. We've talked, anybody else in the room like that? You make, you make decisions today. How many decisions did you make and never think about asking the Lord to lead you in anything? Honestly. Too many. That's the answer. Right? We had our list, and, but I know what I needed to do today. I had to get up and I had to get these 17 things done. I mean, I had to go to work and had to feed the kids and had to get to church. I mean, I had things I had to do, right? Yeah, but when, when in that are you walking in faith? Oh, we, we, we don't even consider it. We're active, we're moving, but are we really accomplishing anything for the Lord? We're not until we're focused on walking in exactly what He has for us. Go back to Genesis and go to Genesis 6. And verse 9. Goo! Those youth are smoking, you guys. Y'all got to catch up. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9. This is the account of Noah. Everybody say Noah. Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. If you had to summarize your life in a single sentence... If someone else was going to be charged to write your life in a singular sentence, what would it be? With Noah, it was that he was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Wow. Wow, I don't know know what could be written of me yet, but I also want to encourage you, I haven't finished my walk. I'm, I'm not done yet. You're still looking at something that's possibly under construction. So you just hang tight because we're going to get there. We're going, to keep, we're going to keep moving on with this. Turn to Genesis chapter 17. Verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old. Everybody say 99. 99. If you're less than 99, then you have no excuse. The Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. We teach this enough in this church. The excuses that nobody's perfect, those are lies from the, from the pit of hell. Jesus Christ himself tells us, speaks to us in red letters in the Newer Testament and says, be perfect. Have a perfect walk before me. Get and do exactly what I've asked you to do. The success is not based on what the world sets it at on. It's based on what, whether you obey him or not. If you feel like a failure, that's not the point. If you do exactly what he says, if you walk in the direction that he says, if you put your foot where he says to put it, then you can walk blamelessly before him. It's not about your talent. It's not about your ability. Get out of your own head 
Get over yourself. Let's move on with what the Lord has for us by saying total obedience is the only thing that counts. If I'm totally obedient to Him, I'm going to walk towards exactly what He says. There's nothing that becomes impossible for us. If Abraham, if Enoch, we see a person who was taken up into the heavens. If Noah, we see a man who saved the planet. If in Abraham, we see a man who is the father of the faithful that impacts us to this very day. What is your walk designed to do? Who is your walk designed to impact and influence? I don't know. But you'll never find out unless you actually walk in it. We have to walk in this. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Let's look at verse 32. So be careful. Everybody say, be careful. careful. How many times do you say that to a kid in a given day? A gazillion. Right? Be careful. Be careful. Don't do that. Don't touch that. Stop. No. Be careful. So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Be careful. You know why? Because if you're not paying attention, you'll miss it. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. There has to be a singularity in your focus. Walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. Can I encourage you guys just with a a, a quick observation that I made? In the English language, we often start our sentences with nouns. Pastor Matt sang a song. We start off with the noun and then we go to a verb and then we have the other modifiers in the sentence. Pastor Matt, or Matt, sang a song. You know what I find in the Hebrew more often? They're starting off with the verb. Sounds more like Yoda. Sang a song, did Pastor Matt. Right? <laughs> you know. If you look at this passage, you know what it is? It's giving a warning, but it's telling you to do something. Why? So that you can be blessed and walk in what he has for you. Our problem is, is we're very... <laughs> We're very, uh, for those of us who are English speakers as the primary language, we live our lives like we speak. We worry about the noun first. We worry about the me or who, who is this about? Wait, who is this for? Is this for me? Okay, then I'll pay attention. Is this, wait, is this not for me? Not paying attention at all. Oh, that's for them? I don't even care. You don't, you don't, know, if, you don't know if you need to know that yet. But what the scripture says is let's do the verb first. Let's walk in obedience to Him, and then you find out what it is for you. We want to know what's in it for us before we walk. The Lord says, just start walking. Do exactly what I've told you to do. Be obedient to me in every way. Show me that you love me, and I promise you, you have to trust me. It's almost like there's faith that's required, because we have to do first, and then we can see, or then we can receive, or then God takes care of us. Far too many people in our society worry about the noun first, Instead of the verb first. We're a church that's desiring to say, Lord, let's put the verb first. Let's put the action first. I love the Lord. Well, amen. I'm going to show you that I love the Lord. I'm going to do something. My obedience will show you. Then there will be no question. And then when I say it, you'll go, oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's true. He does. You're right. There's no surprises when someone says it. The only way that you could ever surprise someone with telling them that you're a Christian is because you haven't been living it before them. 
We've got to put that verb first. So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or the left. Walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you. He's commanded it. He's not suggested it. He's not encouraging you. He's not. He's commanding us to do what He's called us to do so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Stay with me. We're going to bounce around in chapter 11 just a little bit. So here we go. Deuteronomy 11.1. Love the Lord your God and keep His requirements. By the way, if you have some type of word study apparatus in your Bible or in, in, in your studies that you can do, just type in love and whatever else comes with it. You will see that it's often love the Lord and do what He requires. Love the Lord and keep His commands. Love the Lord and... You'll find that just like in 1 John, just like in 2 John, just like in the Newer Testament, that when we want to show that we actually do what he says. They're inseparable throughout the Bible from the beginning to the end. What was Abraham commended for when he was about to offer his son on the altar? The angel stops him and the voice from heaven says what? Now I know. Why? Because he saw the actions. Now I know you love me. That was the comment. Now I know you love me because I see you doing it. Love the Lord your God and keep His requirements, His decrees, His laws, and His commands always. There are some differences in these word meanings here, but I just want you to get this. Love the Lord your God and keep His requirements, His decrees, His laws, and His commands always. I'm going to say, no matter what you want to call it, if He's telling you to do something, you show, his love by, you show Him love by doing it. Look at verse 8. Observe, therefore, all the commands I'm giving you today so that you may have the strength to go in and take over the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. You know how you get the strength you need? You obey. Yeah, but I don't feel like I have the strength. Yeah, it's because you haven't been obeying enough. You've been partially obeying. When you obey, He gives you the strength to get what you need. Verse 13. So if you faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today to love, well, there it is again. Faithfully obey... The next phrase starts off with to love the Lord your God and to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. Then, everybody say then. Then. We act first, we verb first, and then we noun. Then I will send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather in uh, your grain, new wine and oil. I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle and you will eat and be satisfied. Take a look at verse 22. If you carefully observe all these commands I'm giving you to follow, to love the Lord your God. Guys, you know how you learn the pattern of love and obedience? You just see it how many times it says it, even in this singular chapter. Much less the hundreds of other times that it does this. If you carefully observe all these commands I'm giving you to follow, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, and to hold fast to Him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you. You obey, He'll drive out the enemy. Take a look at verse 26. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today. The curse if you disobey. What what a simple option, right? I'm going to either bless you or curse you. Which one do you want? Uh... 
Is this really a choice? Apparently it is. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 27. Same book. We're going to continue on with this thought right here. Deuteronomy chapter 27. There are two mountains in that area. Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal in Israel. And what it acts is there's a valley in between. Verse, chapter 27, verse 1. Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people, Keep all these commands that I give you today. When you have crossed the Jordan into the land the Lord your God is giving you, set up some large stones and coat them with plaster. Well, this is interesting. Where is this going? Write on them all the words of this law when you have crossed over to enter the land the Lord your God is giving you. <laughs> I want you to take big rocks and like a tablet, I want you to plaster them and then I want you to write on them what the Lord has told you. Why? So you won't forget them. So to be a reminder. So to be a, a monument to you. A land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God, your fathers has promised you. And when you have crossed the Jordan, set up these stones on Mount Ebal, as I command you today. Verse 5, build there an altar to the Lord your God. Let's look down at verse 9. Then Moses and the priests who are Levites said to all of Israel, Be silent, O Israel, and listen. You have now become the people of the Lord your God. Obey the Lord your God and follow His commands and the decrees I give you today. Verse 12, when you have crossed the Jordan, these tribes shall stand on Mount Gerizim and bless. And you know what happens in the entirety of the rest of the chapter? They're standing there and they're reciting the things that, that people are cursed for. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the man who dishonors his father or his mother. Then all the people say, Amen. Okay, it's all right, fell asleep. Let's try it again. Cursed is the man who dishonors his father or his mother. Then all the people shall say, He's listing off the things to them that there are curses for. Look in the next chapter. Verse 1, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all His commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. On one mountain they pronounce the blessings of God, on Mount Gerizim. These are the blessings. This is what's going to happen to you when you follow His Word. On the other mountain, they're saying these are the curses that are going to happen to you. They even divided up the troops and uh, uh, up the tribes in several cases, right? Why are they making it so obvious? Why are they sitting there and reading the entire list of curses? There's got to be a clear understanding. Over here, when you do not follow God, in our minds we try to mesh these two things, right? I can kind of obey the Lord. I mean, I can obey the Lord mostly. If we have one mountain over here, and you go down into a valley, and you have to walk, how long does it take to walk between two mountains? That that's a, it depends on how far apart they are. But it's not an immediate. You don't just step from one to the other, right? There's a walk that's, in, that's required. There's a halakha that you have to walk in the right way. And you are either walking towards God's blessing, or you are walking away from it. There's no in-between, and that's what people don't like. They don't like the thought that I... Now, I mean, I know I've given... I mean, I've given most. I've given some. I've given a little bit to the Lord. And I feel good about myself because I've done that a little bit. But the idea of halakha is that we're walking in it. That you have to be progressing. And you're either heading towards the curses, or you're walking in everything that you're doing in the right direction. If you stumble and fall, you dust yourself off, 
you dust yourself off, you get up, and you start walking again towards what God has for you to do. There's no like, okay, I've fallen down now. I guess I have to walk all the way over here now. It's silly when you think about it set up as two mountains in a direction of your walk, isn't it? But this is exactly what people do. Instead of understanding that you are walking towards the things of the Lord, that every day I'm getting closer to exactly what He promises, that every day with every act of obedience, with every act that I die to my own selfish nature, I'm walking towards Him. And every time I give in to my selfish nature, every time I, in our house we call it flesh out. Y'all understand? Does that make sense? Yes. Like what happened? I just fleshed out. Like I know, I know better. Nobody needs to explain it to me. We don't, I, I need to be reminded of the scripture, of course, but I actually know that scripture. I just chose not to follow it. We fleshed out. Well, that shouldn't be happening in our lives. It's not an excuse just because we can put a handle on it, like a title. I fleshed out. Well, that doesn't mean it's Okay. You're either advancing the kingdom or you're not. You're either walking in the kingdom of light or you're advancing the kingdom of darkness. Don't let there be gray areas in your life. Don't let there be like, eh, today, today was okay. No. Did you advance the kingdom or not? Are you going in the right direction or not? Are you listening to what the Lord said or not? There's no in-between. And the, the people who are the strongest in the kingdom, you know what they've just decided in their life? They're not going to accept anything in-between nor will they accept anything negative. There's only one possibility of we're just going to keep going. I'm not there yet. I understand that. I'm not going to let the enemy spread lies in my heart and my mind of trying to judge myself against other people. Actually, the Word tells me not to compare myself. I'm just going to keep walking and being obedient. I'm going to get the, the fellowship and the help of my brothers. And this is exactly what we do. Let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 8. 1 Kings chapter 8. We've just been in the law. Now we're looking into the prophets in 1 Kings 8. Let's look at what happens when Solomon is dedicating the temple. In verse 56. You there? Praise be to the God, to the Lord, who has given rest to his people. Everybody say rest. Rest. That's a good word, isn't it? Those who are suffering from jet lag need rest. To all his people, Israel, just as he promised, not one word has failed of all the good promises that he gave through his servant Moses. Uh, By the way, if that doesn't make you want to jump up and down on the inside of your being, not one word word has failed of all the good promises he gave through his servant Moses. That's the kind of God that we serve. No matter how many promises he's given, they are still yes and amen in Christ. It doesn't matter how many, it doesn't matter how long it takes because not one word will fail. May, he, um, may the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers, that he never leave us or forsake us. Seems like we've heard that other places, haven't we? May he turn our hearts to him to walk in all his ways and to keep his commands, decrees and regulations he gave our fathers. And may these words of mine, which I have prayed before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God night and, uh, day and night that he may uphold the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel according to each, uh, each day's need. According to what? Yeah, each day's need. That's all you need to worry about is today's need. So that all the peoples of the earth may know the Lord is God and there is no other. But your hearts must be fully committed to the Lord our God to live by his decrees and obey his commands at this time. 
Uh, is that not exactly the word that came forth in, yes. during the worship time? Andrew, that was a good word. Thank you for giving that. He's here. We've got to fully commit ourselves. We've got to catch up and walk towards him. We've got to make it a practice to move in his direction about what he's saying. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 35. Isaiah 35. Let's look at verse 8. Well, let's look at verse 3. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. I'm going to say that again, and there are some in this room that need to hear that. So I'm just going to say it again. We're going to take time because we're family, and we can do this. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. (laughs) Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Man, that should encourage many in this room tonight. It encourages me. Verse 8, and a highway will be there. If I say highway, it will be called the way of holiness. You guys see how that, the word way there is capitalized? It's a specific word. It's, it's the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It's a selective group. You can't find this way based on your own strength, based on your own righteousness. You have to find what the Lord is doing and walk there on it. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools who will not go about on it. In the book of Acts, it actually does the same thing. Before they got to Antioch and were called Christians, you know what, they were, you know what it said about them? They said that they were followers of the way. And if you can study the Bible and you just put in something and it'll register the capital letters, type in the way with a capital W and you'll find nine, uh, I'm sorry, seven times in the book of Acts that you get they were followers of the way. Then there arose a problem with those Opposing those who followed the way. Acts 9, Acts 19, Acts 22, in different places that they have. Followers of the way. Turn to Micah chapter 6. Micah chapter 6. And verse 8. He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? In other words, what is it going to take to walk in the ways that he wants? Well, I don't know. Let's find out. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is a path that God has laid out for us. Let's turn to Zechariah chapter 3. Go towards the Newer Testament. If you're in Micah, head towards the New Testament. Zechariah chapter 3. Let's start in verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest. 
If you were with us on Foundations and we were studying through the book of Haggai, you know that this is Joshua, son of Jehozadak. This is not Joshua, son of Nun in the, in the book of Joshua. This is a man that was much later in time, around 500 B.C. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. Wow, what an interesting picture here. What an interesting picture that we have. There's, there's this scene that's going on and we see actually the enemy. We see the accuser. The word Satan actually means accuser. It's as if you were in a courtroom. I picture this as a court scene, actually. The Lord standing there and Satan as an accusing attorney, trying to, uh, trying to lob threats against Joshua. Verse 2, The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. You know, when you're looking at Joshua here, not only are you looking at a particular man, but you're looking at someone who represents the entire community. When you're looking at this, yes, he's talking to Joshua the high priest. And Joshua is functioning as the very representative of God's people. How often are we supposed to be the representative of God's people, but we're too busy looking at ourselves as a singular individual? When I was in college... The Lord spoke to my heart one day uh, while we were, I was the drum major of the marching band. And while I was there, the crowd was going crazy, making a ruckus. And the Lord just spoke it to my heart like as clear as anything. He said, they're cheering for you because of who you represent. Put me in my place so quickly. I was like, oh, then I can enjoy this the right way. What, what, is, what is the Lord saying? Where do you represent? Are you representing the Lord rightly when you go about? Are people seeing you? If they need to see you as the entirety of who the Lord is, are they able to do that? Are you representing Him well? The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? The Lord begins to be the defense attorney. Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. Um, I just want to encourage you real quick. The word filthy there is not the word filthy. It's a unique word that's only used one time in the Older Testament, and it's used right here in this passage. And the implication is not just that he was dirty, but that he was covered not only in refuse, um, but in, uh, in human waste as well. It's not just he had a little, you know... Was, was a little sweaty in his garments, is that he was completely defiled in every possible way because he was representing in a large group of people and these people were defiled in every possible way. Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. How do we know that it means just more than clothes? Well, look at the next sentence. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin. I thought they were taking off the dirty clothes. Yes. Yes, they were. When we sin, it's like we soil our garments in a nonstop fashion. Well, that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? You sin and there's splotches on your clothes based on that? You'd have... <laughs> You wouldn't have people moving around very much, or they would get so, it would become so commonplace. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put rich garments on you. Then I said, Put a clean turban on his head. You know what that is? 
These are, these are back to the priestly garments with the gold plate on the turban that says, Holy to the Lord. He's taking off filth. And what you don't know in this passage, but we know because of the entirety of the Old Testament, is this is a priestly garment. Gold plate. Holy to the Lord. Going from soiled, embarrassing clothes to something that is righteous and regal. It's almost like he was renewed with his helmet of salvation, with a breastplate of righteousness that comes into what's going on here. It's, it's reminding us of the priestly garb. It's reminding us of what we learn about in uh, Ephesians 6, about the full armor of God. We see this in this picture here. Put a clean turban on his head, a helmet of salvation. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. The angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says, if you will walk in my ways. He is there before the very presence of God. And you know what he's given? He's given an if-then statement. He's given a conditional blessing. If you will walk in my ways and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have a charge of my courts. And I will give you a place among these standing here. Who's standing there? The angelic forces of God. I'll give you a place in the heavenlies if you can walk and do exactly what I've told you to do. Guys, this is an incredible, an incredible picture. Uh, I was reading this passage today in, in Zechariah 3, and I was just, I keep coming back to it. God, what, Lord, there's so much here to mine out. There's so much here to dig through. But I just leave you with that tonight. To put it, if we walk in His ways and keep His requirements. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 1. We're going to do some rapid fire scriptures here. Psalm chapter 1. Start in verse 1. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Who are you listening to? Who's giving you counsel? Is it your friends? I'm always amazed. People who are having marriage trouble, they go to people who have terrible marriages. I'm like, I don't understand this. But they're my friends. But I know them well. Yet, they're, they're, why are you getting advice about this? Why would you go to a person to help you out with finances who can't take care of their own finances? Like, why are we getting advice from them? Because it's convenient and we want people to tell us what our itching ears want to hear. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way, the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight, everybody say delight. delight. Man, what a great word. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night and day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prosper. How would you like to have that said about you? Whatever you do, prospers. Come on, I want that. I want whatever I do. Well, he's giving us the exact formula for this. After you become a tree, after you've done exactly what he's telling you to do, whatever you put your hand to, prospers. You know why? Because you inquire of the Lord. He's leading you. Every step is what He wants you to take. So you know what happens? His full blessing, the full amount of force from the King of all the universe is behind you as you walk in this way. Not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way 
of the righteous, but the way of the wicked shall perish. Look at Psalm 15. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Verse 1. Who may live on your holy hill? He whose walk is blameless and who does what is right, who speaks the truth from his heart. It's not just the truth, it's the truth from the heart. It's not just that you got it technically correct, but it was actually birthed with inside of you because you are connected to the King who is the truth. Jesus says what in John 14? He says He is the way, the truth, and the life. We've been talking about walking in the way. The truth is that path that gives us what our next step is supposed to be. When a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies are at peace with him. We've got to walk in the ways of the Lord. Who has no slander on his tongue, verse 3, who does his neighbor no wrong, casts no slur on his fellow man, who despises a vile man. A righteous walk includes that you must despise those who are wicked but honors those who fear the Lord. Wow. How's your walk today? How's your walk? Are you, are you, are, is, does this a descriptor of you? Can I put your name in here and it, and, it, and it be accurate for you today? Who keeps his oath even when it hurts. If you say it, it's just going to happen. Who lends his money without interest or without usury, does not accept a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things, the righteous things, will never be shaken. Turn to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. You know what I see in this passage? It doesn't even matter where we walk. If we're walking where He told us to do, I'm sorry, if we're walking where He told us to walk, it doesn't matter what's around us. It doesn't matter if death is there. In the valley of the shadow of death, because He's with us, so it doesn't even matter. We don't have to fear evil if we are walking and doing exactly what he said. Look at Psalm 26. Verse 1. Vindicate me, O Lord. Everybody say vindicate. vindicate. That's an interesting word for you to ask the Lord to do, right? Have you ever felt the need to be vindicated? Of course you have. We just try to often vindicate ourselves. Someone said something incorrectly about you. They said something mean to you. And what do you want to do? You want to defend yourself. They've raised up charges charges against you that you feel are unfair and unjust. And what do you want to do? It's the worst thing in the world to ask somebody to be quiet in those cases, right? You feel like you're being abused and taken advantage of. Vindicate me, O Lord. How about we let the Lord do more vindicating than we can do? If we're walking in the right way, then He Himself will vindicate you. False accusations, they could even take you to court. You know what's going to happen? The Lord will vindicate His people. For I have led a blameless life. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Everybody say, without wavering. wavering. Come on, we've got to be people who cannot be shaken. Who can move in the Lord without wavering. 
Test me, O Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. You know why you can say that to the Lord? Because of the next verse. Lord, test me. Why? Because your love is ever before me. Test me. Show me what I'm not doing well because you're ever before me and I will walk continually in your truth. The only way I can actually walk in your truth is if I'm not walking rightly, if I'm not on the right path, that you show me that I may get on the right path in you and walk every day and every step with Him. Turn to Psalm 86. Verse 11. So in Psalm 1, we have the Lord watching over us. In Psalm 15, we have the promise that we'll never be shaken. In Psalm 23, even if we go through the valley of death, we don't have to be afraid. In Psalm 26, the Lord will vindicate us and He can test us because His love is ever before us. In Psalm 86, verse 11, it says this, Teach me your way, O God. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I have to be honest with you. This is a verse that I pray. Lord, I don't want to have a divided heart. Give me an undivided heart. If there's any portion, any iota, any molecule in me that is not yet right with you, would you test me and show me that I may enter into the, a blameless walk with you, Lord? Give me an undivided heart. What does an undivided heart do? It causes us to properly fear the Lord and then everything else that comes from that. We walk in it. He strengthens us. We yield and die to ourselves and ask Him to help us. We put down our sinful ways and we only take His way. Everything begins as we get an undivided heart that we can fear His name. Psalm 119. Psalm 119 and verse 30. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your statutes, O Lord. Do not let me be put to shame. <laughs> Lord, I put all of my eggs in your basket. I got nothing left. If you don't help us, it's almost like being going, you know, you're going to go to Turkey and all you have is the clothes on your back or something. Lord, do not let us be put to shame. We need your help at every step. By the way, when you guys get to hear the stories of what happened in, in Turkey and on these mission trips, it's going to encourage your heart beyond belief. At every turn, God orchestrated their steps. At every point, they would find today what they were supposed to do tomorrow. And then when they got there tomorrow, they didn't have any more of the plan than that. And they searched, they inquired of the Lord, and you know what happened? God showed them the next step. Every step was directed by the Lord. Just as much, the reason that we can trust in the Lord to direct our steps, if He's the same God who can cause Enoch to go up to be with Him and never have to suffer death, if He's the same God who Isaiah prophesies about a king named Cyrus that was 200 plus years from happening and He called him by name. And actually the fact that Isaiah called him by name is what caused Cyrus, an ungodly king, to help the people of God build their own temple. We were studying in Haggai the other night and we found out that one of the prophecies in Haggai chapter 2, it just said the 24th day of the ninth month. Okay. 
about 400 years later is when Hanukkah started. That's the day that they were having to cleanse the temple. It's almost like God has these things figured out, folks. It's almost like God has got timetables that deal in centuries and millennia, not just weeks and days. That should encourage you. If he can call his shot, it's a sports legend that Babe Ruth, back in the 20s, stepped up to the plate and pointed that he was going to hit a home run and on the next pitch he hit a home run. Wow, he called it. God's calling his shots millennia in advance. He's calling his shots and saying, if you walk in my way, can you just rest assured that I'll get you where you need to get? The one who created the universe, I promise you that he can figure out the situations in your life. I promise you he can. We would never actually say that he couldn't, but in our daily lives, when we're not walking the way we should, we actually get overwhelmed with small details, don't we? Man, today was hard. Man, I, I couldn't, my computer didn't work. Or my kids got sick. Or this was difficult. Or my boss doesn't like me. Or this happened. Amen. Praise God. Keep walking the way you should. Don't even slow down. Don't, don't even let that be a, a speed bump in your progress. Just keep moving forward. You know why? Because he sees you. He'll vindicate you. Just let him test you because his, his love is ever before you. Amen? Psalm uh, 119, back to, back to 119, verse 30. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your statutes, O Lord. Do not let me be put to shame. I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. You know what happens when we walk long enough with the Lord? He sets you free enough, and walking is, uh, you know what, I'm just kind of excited. I just think I'll run in this in a little while. You, you can tell the age of a kid by how much they just randomly start to run, right? Right? Little kids run everywhere. Why? I don't know, because it seems like more fun than walking. Right? It's very rare. It, it'd, be, it'd be really cool for, for Jen's dad, Mr. Fred, to just bust out running. Hold up! Oh, that'd be awesome. It's not often that the, the older you get, you don't just bust out running places. Why? Because, well, you're more dignified and, and whatever the reason. I mean, who cares, right? Well, what happens when your heart is set free? What happens in the middle of worship service and you're like, God, I feel like every weight of the world that I didn't realize was on my shoulders has melted away. That there's, there's freedom in his presence. What do you want to do? You want to leap up and down. You want to raise your hands. Why? Because you're being religious? No, because I'm being free. I was once bound and now I'm free. I, why would I not want to respond to this? This is what it says. I run in the path of your commands. David's getting, ex- I mean, the, the, getting excited here. I run in the path of your commands for you have set my heart free. Come on, some of us need to, need to not only walk, some of you guys need to just start running to the Lord. You need to get going, man. Let's, let's cover some ground. Let's get going. Let's have the Lord set your heart free so that what you're doing is no longer begrudgingly, well, I'll walk in the Lord. Oh, man, my heart is free. Are you kidding me? You know what it's like to walk towards that mountain? God, it gets heavier every step. The, the, the oppression and the, the difficulty just increases that way. I don't want to go back to that lifestyle. I don't want to go that direction. I'm free in the Lord. I can walk in exactly what He has. Psalm 128. We covered enough scripture tonight? I hope so. Psalm 128. 
Verse 1, blessed are all who fear the Lord. Blessed are all who fear the Lord. If you fear the Lord, this applies to you. Who walk in His ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. This is, thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion all the days of your life. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem. And may you live to see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. This is a song of ascent. This is what happens as they were going every year up to Jerusalem for one of the feasts. They would be singing each of these songs in succession. They would begin to sing and it would give them uh, encouragement and life as they walked in the way. As they walked, as they halakad all the way up to the presence of God. Blessed are all those who fear the Lord, who walk in His ways. Amen? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. Verse 32. Uh, let's go back to 28. I'm sorry, Matthew 6, 28. And why do you worry about your clothes? <laughs> uh, the title in verse 25, right above 25 in my Bible says, Do not worry. Thank you, Lord, for such clear instruction, right? Verse 28, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? He's using a Calvay Comer type instruction here. He's saying if the Lord will take care of flowers, little daisies, little lilies, little grass. He's going to take care of that. How much more is He going to take care of you? That's why it's such an indictment when we worry, when we spend our time worrying, no matter how big the worry is. Yeah, but pastor, you don't understand. I mean, I'm thousands of dollars short. I mean, I'm, I'm in trouble. I don't see how we can accomplish this. If He's going to take care of the lilies, He's going to take care of you. How much more will He take care of you? O oh, you of little faith. Wow. Verse 31. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Isn't that, isn't that true? Get somebody who's not saved. What are they? They're just worried about what they're eating, drinking, wearing, smoking, buying, whatever. Right? And your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. It's not that it's a bad thing to want to feed your family. He's saying, God already knows that. Seek first the kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things, He'll take care of you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Can I free some of you today? Can you just not worry about tomorrow? Amen. Whatever's on your agenda for tomorrow, would you just not worry? The sales that need to be closed. The uh, items on your agenda the bids that you're going to get and hopefully someone will buy something from you, the work that has to be done, the money that needs to come in or you're going to be in trouble. Don't worry about tomorrow. 
for tomorrow will worry about itself. That's funny. How's tomorrow going to worry? I don't know, but it's just going to take care. It'll be there. In other words, it'll be there. Why are you going to worry about it today? It's just going to be there tomorrow anyway. You're going to mess up today while you're waiting on tomorrow. How about you have some faith? How about you walk in this the right way and go, you know what? I've never seen the righteous forsaken, now that I think about it. I've never seen his seed begging for bread. If we walk, he'll never put us to shame. This is exactly what we, what we can rejoice in. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In other words, don't be adding to it. Look, I want to I wrap this up tonight. Uh, let's go to 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. And verse... Let's read verse 3. We know that we have come to know Him if we obey His commands. I love uh, First, Second, and Third John. It's John in, a, in an older place in his life. It's Papa John. It's Elder John. Of course, Apostle John. I, I don't mean it in, in a disrespectful tone. I mean, he's just later on in life. And he just cuts right to the heart of so many things. It's like the most enjoyable book for me to read. There's no fluff. There's like, well, if you're going to love the Lord, you're going to do what he says. Oh, thank you, Papa John. I appreciate that. Like, there's no wiggle room out of that. Not, well, maybe. He's just like, look, here's what it is. God is love. <laughs> like, Thanks. Thank you. That, that's fantastic. We know that we have come to know Him if we obey His commands. So the inverse of that is also true. If you're not yet obeying the, the Lord's commands fully, you haven't come to know Him yet. We know if we obey. The man who says, I know Him but does not do what He commands is a liar. <laughs> He's a liar and the truth is not in him. Well... Can't get any more plain than that, can you? But if anyone obeys this word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. You do not need a theology degree to get this. You need to open your ears and go, if we do what Jesus did, <laughs> we are like him. Amen. That's exactly what he's saying here. Look at 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5. This is how he set this up. This was the precursor to that passage. 1 John 1, 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Again, be refreshed with the clarity of the word tonight. Just be refreshed. God is light. In Him, there's no darkness. These, these dumb principles of the world, these demonic things of the world that tells you, you know, a yin-yang. There's a little bit of darkness in every light. There's a little bit of light in every darkness. Really? Apparently the Word just says, in God, there is no darkness. Period. If you're walking in darkness, you're not walking in light. Oh. Verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, with God, yet walk in darkness, we lie and we do not live by the truth. You're a liar. Quit being a liar. 
The focus isn't you lying. He's saying he's, he's drawing a clear line so that we will move to the light. Quit being in darkness. Quit being overrun by the enemy. Quit and do what is right. We lie and do not live by the truth. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. This is a marker. This is a standard in our life. If you are right, if you have right relationships with the people around you, it is a reflection that you have right relationships with God, a right relationship with God. If you do not have right relationships with the people around you, no matter how much you want to say it, you do not, you're not walking rightly with the Lord. If we claim that, uh, I'm sorry, but if we walk in the light as He is in light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. Verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar and His Word has no place in our lives. Go back to 2 John for me as we wrap it up. Verse 4, it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one that we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. What I want to encourage you tonight is this. The Lord is challenging our church, and He has been for weeks and a couple of months now. You must put into practice the incredible, incredible teachings that you've received here. When I hear the teachings that come from you guys, from Pastor Eric, from Pastor Matt, from our elders, I am overwhelmed at the beauty of what God shares with us. I heard my son give a word last night over at Pastor Matt's house. I was like, what? That was awesome. Taking notes. The next phase for us as a church is how well we can each implement the things that we know. Because you don't know it until you can do it. You don't know it until you can walk in it. Don't tell me and, and, and have good recall, have, have good verbal skills, and you can tell me something about the Word of God. How about you show me that you can do it? How about you show me that you can do it? Because you know what? With the power of God's Spirit, each of us can absolutely accomplish what He's called us to accomplish. Would you stand to your feet tonight? You've got to learn, we've got to learn to walk this out even better. If you're walking in the right direction, be encouraged and continue to do so. Maybe you need to get more free so that you can start running in the right direction. If you're at a snail's pace in the Lord or you're standing still in the direction that God has for you, it's time for you to start moving and start walking better. Don't accept anything in your life that looks like selfish ambition. Don't accept anything in your life that is just willful disobedience to the Lord. Don't accept it. Don't allow it because we won't accept it. And you shouldn't accept it.
these things will cause you to turn around and walk in the wrong direction. You start walking towards Mount, Mount Ebal instead of Mount Gerizim. We're going to worship just a little bit. You got to walk in the right direction. <laughs> the next phase for this church depends on you walking in it. Where we go from here, what goes on from here, the glory of the Lord still being with us, being poured out upon us, Him moving in people's lives, people are counting on it. If Enoch's life touched ours now because of his faithfulness, if Noah's life saved the human race, so it definitely touched our lives, if Abraham, the father of the faith, because he walked rightly, it touches our lives. In other words, you walking with the Lord matters and how well you walk with the Lord. We're going to sing here in just a minute. We're going to worship. Some of you guys need to actually come and repent about the ways that you have not walked with the Lord. You haven't walked with the Lord. There are areas in your life that there are some areas that, are, that seem to be intact and there are others that you've been passive. You haven't been doing what the Lord says. You're in this group of believers. You're in this body and you're sitting back. You've, you've kind of just decided to cross your legs, sit Indian style right there on the path. We're going to worship. Let's let the power of the Holy Spirit wash over us. Let's get our hearts free where we can run in what the Lord is doing, where our hands, our hearts, our mouths, our, our spirits can be lifted before the Lord. It is our greatest desire to see you walk in the Lord.